This episode of Probably Science is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus, offering you a free month of unlimited access to all of their lectures if you go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably. And we recommend while you're there that you check out the lecture series, The Theory of Everything, The Quest to Explain All Reality. Again, thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably for a free month. Probably Science. everyone welcome to probably science i'm matt kershen i'm andy wood hey how's it been good we saw a great band from down under last night the band was king gizzard and the lizard wizard Mm -hmm. very good band yeah would have been better if eddie izzard had opened yeah yeah Um, i like i like your pet theory because they're they're technically ridiculous i forgot about this yeah 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 they're they're very very good they've got two drummers three guitarists and the two drummers they're not playing like basic stuff it's crazy to changing time signatures in perfect it's sync like math rock yeah and your theory and i i think there's some truth to it we've complained before after our australian tour about how piss poor the internet is there it's insane that a whole country could have bad internet it's very bad yeah. very bad internet however my theory is that the great musicianship out of australian bands like them and like tame impala is because of the time that they have because they can't spend their whole lives online they can't be winning Fortnite competitions because yeah. the connection's too slow. Like, I would never have learned guitar if there had been broadband in my apartment in 98, but there wasn't. And so every night after work, I would just spend four hours playing guitar. So slow down your kids' internet if you want them to be a great math rock band from Australia. Yeah, I if you want them to focus on the important Psych stuff. Rock. What, I don't, I don't, what do you call them? I don't know what they are. They, they great. straddle they, genres. They metal. It was amazing. Yeah. They're genre straddling. Mm-hmm. And then their opener was openers were good as well. Yeah, their openers were Orb or ORB and uh, Stonefield. Stonefield, four sisters. Oh, I didn't look them up. Is that what the yeah, story Yeah, I looked was? it up. They're four sisters. And again, very, very good musicians. Yeah. Like, Singing drama. You don't get that very often. No. Was it Phil Collins of... Uh, so there we go. Phil, Phil, Phil Collins. Philippa, Philippa Collins. Yeah. If she was one of four Australian sisters who will play very well. Yeah, they were great. We should choose our guest. Let's do that. Actor, writer, director. You might know her from The Walking Dead. She is the writer and director and star of Darlin' which hit the cinemas and is out now on VOD and about to be out on DVD as well, is Pollyanna McIntosh. Hello. Hey. (laughs) Oh, and a Brit. Yes, and a Brit. A Brit of the Northern Persuasion, a Scot. Um, It's lovely to be here. Oh, thanks thanks for for joining us. Yeah, Yeah, cheers. I do a lot of um, interview things, but I don't often do them with friends, so I feel very relaxed. You should. You should be relaxed. I should be. We're going to grill you now. You're going to ask me about (laughs) science, which I know bugger all about. Well, let's get into that then, because we like to ask our guests that before we get into the story. It's like, what, if anything, is your background in science? And that, again, has ranged from people who studied at school to people who, like, you had a teacher you had liked or a teacher you hated or you boo stuff up in the woods with your friends. You know, I was always a very uh, uh, experimental kid and I really, really always loved nature and animals. So I think biology was a natural uh, love for me. But in biology in high school at St. George's School for Girls in Edinburgh. No, no, it was, a, it was at Borough Muir, actually. It was at Borough Muir High School um, in Edinburgh. And my biology teacher left and she said, you'd better get an A because she thought I could. And I really loved it, but I was a bit of a skiver sometimes. Uh, I just used I'm to sorry, what? I was a bit of a skiver. I skived off. Matt will know what this means. It means <laughs> slacker. It means, I guess you know, like bunking school. Would you yeah. say? Even that doesn't mean the that, same thing. I think thing that's here. Australian. That's... I think that's what they say in neighbors and home and away. All these things make sense in context, but I love whatever yeah. there's a new. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a skiver, you're skiver. Not you. You're. You're. How do you spell skive? S k i v e. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
so I'd skive off behind the local church and smoke weed with my friends sometimes. And I just didn't like the the I didn't like the numbers element of of, of science at a certain point. I don't think I was. I think I have some sort of, you know, an issue with math. <laughs> okay. And so I got frustrated by that element. And um, and uh, so it, there's that, definitely that, there's, there's a, a there's tipping a, point in all of the sciences when it goes from the sort of hand wavy learning yeah, the names of things right, to actually having to calculate stuff. Bunsen burners and things are great. Exactly. Yeah. Like chemistry. I remember like, there was a big changeover between GCSE and A level chemistry where it went from just oh, when you mix these two things together, they turn into this into calculating the number of moles that are produced in this reaction yeah yeah, and yeah exactly like and physics, I, it wasn't it wasn't for me yeah when physics you know? goes from rubbing the balloon on your hair to uh having to you know calculate trajectories of projectiles and things now yeah. you guys are making me sound like a numpty i mean we did a bit no, more no, than no, a thing on it no i'm saying but like all the all I'm, the sciences i'm kidding i'm kidding, right, <laughs> I'm kidding. No. Totally there's kidding. a level when they're all fun and then a level <laughs> like, when it was fine when i was rubbing the balloon on my head what's this bullshit <laughs> Um, Bring me back the balloon teacher. <laughs> just want to rub balloons and know that I'm a scientist. <laughs> Defending your dissertation, you just got a bunch of balloons you keep rubbing. And just, Bring oh, back the yeah. retro style. The better the scientist, the more balloons they can get on them. <laughs> the professor's I, like a six ballooner. <laughs> looks like the Michelin man. Um, yeah, and then and then I, I did my degree in drama and theatre studies with psychology. So it was okay. actually a Bachelor of Arts slash Sciences. Hmm. Um how much did you have to do in the sort of experimental psychology world? Uh, well, I started off joint both subjects for the first two years and then I focused on the drama the third. So I got all the fun stuff of psychology and I did quite a bit of research stuff. And, you know, there's the, there's the boring stuff in there too. I mean, not boring, but just stuff that my mind doesn't enjoy as right. much as, you know, somebody who can use the term math rock and just, like you did earlier, just I'm not like sure that's even the right term. It's just, I, was, I, was, I was really impressed with that. Just like has like weird time signatures, like not 4-4, not four, four. you know, that's, I think that's Yeah, and very, is. and quite technical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They and definitely did quite a lot of weird time signature stuff. Yeah, it was crazy, yeah. I just think it's really beautiful that there's different kinds of people in the world because your kind of brain and that even... You, just you say that the word math rock makes me sound like, smart. Yeah, yeah. Well, it it's, it it gives it I, just the way you talk about what it means. It's like there is some passion in numbers. I understand that, and and I appreciate that. And thank God for that because I need somebody to like you know know how to build a house and stuff. Right. I'll do the I other stuff. I can't do that either. <laughs> um. But it, it does. It does feel a bit like you're sort of just jamming something that people don't enjoy onto something that they do. Which in sorry, which thing? What, with just numbers? math, yeah, just like let's. Uh, all right, we got the rock music thing. Let's just add this hard oh. school subject to <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie; yeah. it doesn't yeah. sound like the most shaggable rock stars. Accountancy <laughs> fucking. <laughs> there were definitely songs Fuck when me with your numbers. <laughs> I would turn. I would turn to look back on the crowd. We had really good seats. That was amazing. We did. Shout out, by the way, to Doug Millard for Jesus hooking it up and literally front row of the Greek theater. Yeah, he and his wife are big fans of the band, and then suddenly couldn't make the show. So that's how we ended up there. Yeah. So you might remember Doug from about a month ago or two. I think it might have been a year. I'm not it? sure. Was it that Never know how. Do long we live yet. in Los Angeles? Yes, we yes. do. Um, but no, I kept looking back at the crowd during different kinds of songs to see if people can dance to a song that's in like 17.4 or whatever they were doing. And the answer is no. Like it was <laughs> the few songs that were like straight ahead 4-4 four, four, people were really rocking to. The rest of them people liked, but there's not a lot of headbanging when you're like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Like it's, yeah. Got a crick in the neck. 
Yeah, that sounds like my idea of hell. <laughs> <laughs> They're great though. They're but they are a good band. Yeah. Like you don't have to I, yeah, you don't have to be looking at it going like, Oh, that's a seventeen full time signature no. to recognize that they're a very good band. It was very fun. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wiz- and the Lizard Wizard, yep. They're yeah. a, they are an enjoyable bunch of people. Of Australian youngsters. <laughs> we didn't hang out with them afterwards, but yeah, yeah. probably. They don't seem like bogans, right? <laughs> That's a bad thing. Is bogan like a term of endearment? It's like it's like a redneck in Australia, yeah, right? Yeah, it, it's pretty. It's, it's derogatory. It's pretty comparable to redneck in both positive and negative connotations. So some people have probably like owned it, uh, sort of, yeah, taken it back. Yeah. Well, while we are talking about fun antipodean things, mm. fun things south of the border. That's a great smart word. We are. Uh, Last week, we mentioned a very large bird or the fossils of it that were discovered in New Zealand. And we had a couple of people writing and going, there's been another one. (laughs) So the remains of a giant penguin the size of a human have been discovered in New Zealand. Look at that thing. Look at that. That's not possible. Look at that massive thing. I like this comparison (laughs) picture even better than the one of the giant parrot. Yeah, the lot. This one's this one. This for some reason, really the woman technical. is dressed really a bit. Convinced that she's this is exactly the truth. I know that this image being so. Look um, at this picture. She's dressed kind of like she's got a kind of Ren Faire type thing, or she does. I guess she's wearing steampunk. a sort of modern version of a penguin suit, right? Is it kind of is, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, they have dressed her up penguiny to kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Bizarrely, to really she's coloured in like a penguin, whereas sure the penguin the two. Yeah, know? whereas the penguin has no coloration whatsoever. That's no. just a purely white penguin. The penguin is made of three um, D modelling clay. Yeah, that <laughs> looks like a three D printed penguin <laughs> next to a fully realised penguin. Well, you'd have to dress- print it three D, wouldn't you? Because you couldn't grow one that big. <laughs> <laughs> The remains of a giant penguin the size of a human have been discovered in New Zealand. The fossilized bones are of an animal thought to have been about 1.6 meters, which is around 5'3 tall. It's Wait. Not the size of a standard human. It's uh, it's pretty... Ri- it's, yeah, 5'3. Well, 5'3 That's around the average height for men in the US, apparently. But average height I'm for women... I'm not going to quibble with numbers. We already know it's not my strong point. My it's strong. definitely... Like this is just a height privilege. What, what are you, six feet? I'm like, I know I'm only five eleven. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but your playing height is anywhere between. My playing height <laughs> is anywhere between between regular short actor and really short actor. Right, as whatever's required. <laughs> no one's ever made you do the Tim Conway dwarf thing where you put your knees on your shoes. No one's ever dug a moat for me. No. <laughs> That's good. I've seen people on boxes, but no one has ever dug a moat for me. Yeah, this, I, that's not a thing you hear about, is it? Just no, you get Tom Cruise I've boxes. I've seen a lot of uh, male actors with lifts in their shoes, though. Really? Are they yeah. really obvious when you see the shoes up close? No, or? they're not really obvious. Oh. That's how good lift technology is these days. <laughs> they figured it out. <laughs> they really. So the fossilized bones. Uh, Oh, it can also weigh up to 80 kilograms, which is 176 pounds. That's pretty heavy as well. Oh uh, yeah, for Hollywood, this bird would not be. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just trying to. I'm not. Listen. It would be I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not penguin shaming. This is Hollywood standards, not <laughs> yeah. ours. The, I say the penguin could let's, easily play a best friend. Let's, let's, <laughs> but it wouldn't be a leading penguin. for those Hollywood standards being better and not even <laughs> not mention it. Okay. suggest that that penguin couldn't have a long and illustrious no. career if we put the power in the audience's hands. <laughs> Thank you. <Yep. laughs> if the penguin's got talent, let it shine. Yeah. It lived, lived in the pa- Paleocene epoch, which is between 66 and 56 million years ago. The animal... Du- dubbed, and I quote, Monster Penguin <laughs> by Canterbury Museum. How long did that take? I don't know, but wow, they really... Canterbury. I'm surprised they didn't put that out to tender. They didn't put that out to a, 
a UK-wide vote. Great writers. That's <laughs> what you could come up with. It's the Penguin McPenguin face. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Today. As to the list of now extinct gigantic New Zealand fauna, parrots, eagles, burrowing bats, and the moa, which is a 3.6 meter tall bird, That's also tall feature. Bird. That is very Terrifying tall. Terrifying fire. That is extraordinarily tall, the moa. Yeah. 3.6 yeah, meters. I've seen pictures of what they think that bird looked like, and I do not want to deal with that bird. What is 3.6 meters? Is that like 12 feet, roughly? Um, I think it's between... That's more like 15 like feet? 11. No, Jeez. it's like is it re- more than 10, because it's, uh, it's like 1.1. 1. I mean, like a meter is like 3.3 feet, I think. Okay, 1. so... 1. I think it would be quite lovely. 3 meters is almost like 10 feet. A giant penguin, though. That it is, yeah. picture doesn't look happy, but... The penguin is cuddly and fun and dances. And he's, what would be better than having a giant one around? That's yeah. He does look lovable. I mean, I, I can't he or see. She could inspire all of us. <laughs> uh, Your best friend feet, analogy really does hold up the more I look at this picture. Not because of its frumpiness, but just because of its accessibility. Yeah, it's it's a pretty cute. Just shy of twelve feet for the mower. Okay, Whoa. that is that's a height. I mean, that is a height to have a bird's spiky beak come down at you from. Is it not? Yeah, yeah you wouldn't right. want to play basketball against that. No. But this penguin, even the or five on a worm costume here. anywhere near it. Right. <laughs> like, why do you even have that costume? I would put my worm costume well away when the mower was around. Polly, we've told you before about this worm costume. I, I thought I was putting on my brown suit. Fuck, I've done it again. Why do you own it when you work in a mower farm? We've been through this so many times. I told you Burning Man is next All week. Right. I had to try sometimes, it out before. Just sometimes I like to tease them. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for admitting it was intentional. You know what's weird is I feel better. I feel better for having told you. Thank you. Thank you for pushing me. Paul Schofield, the museum's senior curator, says this is one of the largest penguin species ever found. No shit. (laughs) That's a front page statement. But what surprised me is it's not the biggest, just one of. It's just one of the other... Yeah. It's one of many. It was specific to the waters of the southern hemisphere. Penguins are thought to have become this big because large marine reptiles disappeared from the oceans around the same time that the dinosaurs disappeared. Then for 30 million years... it was shit and uh, got real right? comfortable. Well, Mr. Schofield says, for 30 million years, it was, and again, I quote, the time of the giant penguins. <laughs> That's a good run. That's a real good run. Uh, speaking of Hollywood, years. I think that movie is a coming. Yeah. <laughs> it's their time. And will be for 30 million years. Ah, those 30 million years. Those were the salad days. Yeah, that was... Giant happy feet. The best. Today's largest species, the emperor penguin, grows to about 1.2 meters tall. So they're still pretty tall. Yeah. That's still, you know, what is that? About four feet? Popper's penguins or whatever it's called. Mind you, they weren't emperors. I forgot what... They were little rocky um, ones. That's, I was like, is that a movie or a species? That's a, yeah, that's that um, Jim Carrey movie where he's got all these penguins. Oh, it is, wait, it is actually? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. It's a real thing. Mr. Mr. Popper's Penguins. Yes. Okay, you were talking about... That's okay. I'm not crazy. Yeah. We think that at the time, uh, the animals were evolving <laughs> very crazy, rapidly. Yeah. It's not <laughs> necessarily true. actual proof. <laughs> I mean, water temperatures around New Zealand were ideal back then, apparently, around 25 Celsius, 77 Fahrenheit, compared Perfect. to the 8... Celsius that we have now. That's a that's warm water around there. That's so when you get a bit cold in the sea, you can just say, "God, 
I wish it was the time of the past. <laughs> Remember, we would just swim around in the winter even. It, was, it would be so many more degrees yeah. warm. You, you know, we'd really cut down on this heating bill if you'd stop having your baths at penguin temperature. <laughs> Giant, think smaller penguin next time you're running this water. I'm not paying for... Think penguin needing to cool off, okay? <laughs> Think emperor, not giant. During the time of the giant... Oh, that's how I'm going to make people run my bath. At emperor. emperor yeah, designated by... Like, swimming pools should designate um, their temperature by penguin size. Yeah, I'm going to have to call Task Rabbit immediately. <laughs> Uh, during the time of the giant penguin, New Zealand was still joined with Australia. I didn't know that. Which in turn is it thought was to have been connected. a great time. Yeah, really, they really had some fun. me on this time. It's thought to have been connected to Antarctica as well. The new species, which is its proper Latin name is Crossvalia wyperensis, which represents... Fancy pats of a name, mm. that. Yeah, and it resembles another prehistoric giant penguin, Crossvalia unienwillia. Which is found at a site in Antarctica. Okay, so that a little bit, a bit of more light-hearted crossbreeding. Mm. According to the researchers, the cross valley of penguins' feet probably played a bigger role in swimming than those of modern penguins. It likely shared the water around New Zealand with giant turtles, corals, and strange-looking sharks, that's says a, Mr. Schofield. A little, a little uh, judgmental there, a little editorializing. Oh, no, that's the official scientific term. Like, <laughs> strange-looking yeah, sharks. Yeah, yeah. Strange-looking sharks, yeah. This one's fucking big. This one's strange. <laughs> Can we see your music museum uh, senior curator card again? Yeah. Uh, it's in my pants. <laughs> oh, it was eaten by the uh, shifty mule. Yeah. That's the name of that species. <laughs> no, no, it was, uh, it was the water elk. That's what got it. Does anybody know this man? <laughs> it just slowly starts backing towards the door. It. It's not entirely clear why the giant penguins disappeared from the waters of the southern hemisphere. It's the, the end of the time of the penguins. Uh, yeah. It was their time. It was their time to go. Time. The most commonly held theory is it's just due to growing competition with marine mammals. Around the time they evolved, large marine reptiles had just become extinct, says Gerald Mayer, another author of the study. In Antarctica and New Zealand, there were no large marine competitors until the arrival of toothed whales and mm. pinnipeds, which like seals, many million years later. Pinnipeds. Pinniped. Right? I didn't know that was a word for I sense. did not know that. Pinniped. Pinniped. The uh, extinction of the giant penguins seems to correlate with the rise of these competitors, but the exact reason for the disappearance of giant penguins are still being discussed. Mr. Mm. Mayor cautions. As we mm. speak. So don't jump the gun on that yeah. one. He Dis- warns everyone. Caution. Hold your horses and penguins. <laughs> it was found the leg bones of the new species were discovered. They just found a leg bone. I think they just found the leg bone. Where, like, it's a fucking a massive penguin. Legs, don't they? It's a monster leg. It was discovered at a site in North Canterbury and has been since analyzed by an international team. The site is pretty much unique, says Mr. Schofield. It's a riverbed cutting into a cliff. And it's been the site of fossil finds since the 80s. And since ma- the 80s. Yep. <laughs> An ancient time since known as the 1980s. 1980s. The way back. <laughs> and many of the discoveries, like this latest one, were made by dedicated amateur paleontologists. Oh, let's Good give it work. up for amateur, yeah. dedicated paleontologists. Again, slow internet. Dedicated. Slow internet creates dedicated amateur paleontologists. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. We're glad. But uh, yeah, if you guys had gigabits per second, no. Yeah, Not happening, but until then, you are digging for penguins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Finding these massive. Do you think. Sorry. No. Finish your thoughts. No, there was, that was the end of that thought. Thank you for the couple of different listeners who sent that in, by the way. Do you think that um, 
Ross Geller on Friends having been a paleontologist and got so much bullying for it on the show. Do you think it's made paleontology cooler because it was on Friends or more uncool? I don't know. Because they made it sound like it was uncool. You could probably write, you could probably do some analysis based because Friends was big in the 90s and then it sort of disappeared but now it's on Netflix and people are rediscovering it. (gasps) So I'm not sure. By the way, Mike Fairweather and Chris Nelson both sent that in. Thanks both of you. At the same time, Jurassic Park was 93 Mm-hmm. And then oh. Jurassic World broke even more box office records like last year. So how did which which caused which? Did oh Friends and Dinosaur Junior in the nineties? And people are now starting to wear those t-shirts again. I saw them perform in Portland last year at a festival. There you go. There, there you go. There's a whole dinosaur connection. I'm telling you, man. So I think for the earliest of all those would have been Dinosaur Junior because that was like late eighties. So maybe Jay Maskus. But then there was, was the sole reason. But then there was Denver, the last dinosaur. And there was the Dinosaurs series. Oh, that's right. Ooh. And there was um, The Land Before Time. I think was it'd that... be hard to find a time that dinosaurs weren't ever on TV. That's true. People it's... love dinosaurs. But Jurassic and Park now there's was Dinosaur a... Train, which is a kid series. Oh, yeah. It's, that's creepy. What you watch on your it's own a bit time, weird. Matt, is none of our business. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty good, Dinosaur yeah. Train, but the animation is weird. Yeah. What, we were just staying in, in New way? York with a family who have a four-year-old, and that's his show. Is it like but, bad CG kind of? What's yeah. That? Well, that's the, and it's Henson Company has made it, so it's, yeah. got, it's well done, except they just... I guess they've realized that it's mostly pitched at sort of four or five-year-olds, and they don't really care that much about things <laughs> like lip sync to mm, words. That's what it was, I think. So it's just a bit off, mm. and it's just a bit unexpressive in a very weird way. Like, it's almost like an animation that looks like a puppet, the mouth just open and close. Mm. But mm. then at the end of every episode, a paleontologist comes on and tells you about the dinosaurs you met in the episode. Well, that's really cool. I don't remember that part of it. Like an animated, or they have no. Like, a, a real guy who's an actual professor oh, comes cool. on. He sort of green screened onto so the cartoon. Says, mm. Yeah, hello, I'm <laughs> Professor So and So. It's like this fucking big penguin that you just saw. <laughs> yeah, Where I actually know the going? technical term. It's monster penguin. So I'm clearly a professor. <laughs> I want to be a monster penguin scientist. I'm like, oh, that's not a thing, honey. He's we not. should all go as a monster penguin for Halloween in one costume. Just on each other's shoulders. Three people yeah. high. I vote being in the middle because I don't have to walk, and Matt is lighter. That's true. That means I have to be holding up everybody. So that's a, you, babe. That's fine. Okay. We well, got a bit of time this. after you recover from your back surgery. That's true. Yeah, that'll be. You should be back on that. track, but that should be the thing you work. Yeah, I was <laughs> just about to say that. It's <laughs> like Ivan, like a picture of Ivan. We're just here to bring you a... goals, babe. Yes. Yeah, you've got to go to your your surgeon and just say, look. I need you to do a good job because <laughs> by October 31st, I need to be carrying the weight of two people and inside a penguin costume. In a convincingly penguinish way, okay? <laughs> and the surgeon will ask, is that a monster penguin? Like, well, well, obviously, yeah. yeah. Think about the size of it. Don't waste my time with absurd questions. Of course it is. <laughs> That's what, I need you to do a good job because it's not going to be emperor penguin here. This is yeah, going to be... talking about fucking three-person monster penguin. You've seen it before. <laughs> you know how Halloween works. Yeah. You you listen to our podcast, right, Doctor? Oh, man. What if he you does? You know this is upcoming. His name's Dr. Hurt. I'm not kidding. Shut the front door. <laughs> Dr. Hurt. Dr. Hurt. It's H-I-R-T, but it's still Dr. Hurt. I had a dentist growing up named Dr. Payne. I don't know how this keeps happening. You are entirely convinced by names. I had a driving instructor called Ron Horn. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's beautiful. Especially when you say it so excitedly like that. It's wonderful. Um, I just heard someone mention the fact that... I had a gynecologist called Dr. Fishbine. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep, Dr. Stuart Fishbine. 
Although, wait, I've heard there's an actual, there are studies about the fact that people... Nominative determinism. Yes. We've dis- people named Dennis end up being dentists more often than the regular population. Which that is so, is so wonderfully subtle. ridiculous. I know, but I, that is a real thing. What's well, it, it is a real thing because we're, we're wonderfully ridiculous as humans. I yeah. love hearing shit like that. And, and little things can influence I actually like- called my best friend, one of my best friends in high school. She was Dennis the dentist and I was Fifi the firefighter. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Oh, we wait made a business second. cards and for each other and everything. <laughs> we did. We laminated them with sellotape or scotch tape, as you'd you say. You really are. Uh, we went full, you put the full work throttle. In. Yeah. We and now, to be and now look, at, look at your job now. Well. Look at you doing professional making up for a living. Look at me actually being paid for things. <laughs> By the way, I'm glad I Googled this really quickly because we were doing that thing. you didn't know who I was. Has were it been we, debunked? Yes, it's been debunked. Ah. Uh, uh, there's a Forbes article from five years ago, and the title is, No, of course Dennis is not more likely to be a dentist. Oh. Mm. So is this... Oh, could we not have just left it internet-free and just so there was enjoyed this the ridiculousness? 2002 study that found that the names Jerry, Dennis, and Walter were the 39th, 40th, and 41st most frequent male names of the 1990 census. Um, blah, 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 blah. But a nationwide search, they found 482 dentists named, dentists named Dennis, but just 257 named Walter and 270 named Jerry. Hence, the meme was born. Dennis is more like is more likely to be a dentist. Um, but the... Well, so it kind of is true then. Well, no, no, but they're saying this was this has been debunked. Hold on a second. So what was the... Uh, the takeaway is that this is some basic statistics, and yet this is the media. Uh, two classic mistakes are being made here. The first is... Is one of them cherry-picking? Is one of them drawing the target around the I haven't the read grouping? it yet. I'm just Googling okay. it now. Well, it's three names A confirmation only, bias. So you can't say that Dennis is more likely when it's only been tested with two other names. It's not like you've tested it's all the names. It's not a very names. big... You're right. I mean, that's a pretty big difference. But it's still, if there, to if me, if that statistic is correct, I'm still down for believing that that's... That, to me, says it's more likely enough for me to enjoy it but as then, a fact but then it, until yeah but then it could just be one of those statistical aberrations because if it isn't matched by other jobs although i can't think of that many other jobs that are similar to names i'm sure now what other yeah. job are you going to do if your name is dennis let's be realistic uh, you're gonna have to be a dentist firefighter <laughs> isn't that the isn't that the brand of fire trucks in the uk what Dennis? Den- fire engines, I think, have Dennis written on them in the UK. Oh, I've never. Seen- Matt is looking really delighted right <laughs> now. Gonna look it up. We have the benefit of googling things and then instantly <laughs> seeming smart. Uh, right. I'll finish with the dentist, den- Dennis, dentist thing. Here we go. Dennis specialist vehicles was uh, past tense, but it used to be. Well, just yeah. this one guy designed some fire. Fire engines. En- there you go. All fire engines in the UK used to have Dennis written on the front. <laughs> And as a kid, I'm like, why is the fire, positive. Why is the fire engine called Dennis? I mean, that's just his name. <laughs> that's so funny. I've never noticed that before. It's like that dude named Ambulance who invented those cars that take you to a hospital. <laughs> yes. And then he's like, put my name on there. Reverse it in the front. Uh, okay. So yeah, after this, <laughs> the expected number of dentists named Dennis, however, this is the article that's debunking, depends not on the frequency of Dennis in the 1990 census, but on the entire stock of people named Dennis over the last 70 or so years. And similarly for Walter and Jerry. And his takeaway, which is that, yeah, classic mistakes are being made here. The first is innumeracy. Journalists can't do math. The second is epistemology, not understanding how science works. First of all, if if correlation is causation, statistical blips are even less causation. Uh, Wait, if correlation is... Mm -hmm. Even if it were true that there were more dentists named Dennis, there would still be no evidence for having the name Dennis causing people to become dentists. And yet uh, this report argued that this one paper 
which it didn't understand. Um, I'm sorry. So the people who reported, what was it? So it was in the New Republic was a summary of this study. And the New Republic argued that this one paper, which it didn't understand, shows the strange science of how names shape careers. Um, second of all, and this is a much broader thing. One paper is not science, is not, quote, science, even if it was published in a peer-reviewed journal. It's just not. Studies almost never show anything. They rarely even suggest it. Oh, this guy is mad. Um, <laughs> so I guess, yeah, all he's saying is that it's yeah. a blip and that also maybe they didn't look at a big enough sample. Well, there's of- always going to be... If you if you study a bunch of, I guess if you list a whole load of names and occupations, there's going to be some statistical aberrations, and yeah. it's it it's that thing of like finding a correlation between th- it's it's like that thing of sp- spraying a um an automatic like gun into the wall and then drawing a target around where the holes are and going like oh look at this grouping you know right. you just do you you can't do science that way you've got to you've got to say the things you're looking for possible correlations before you look at the data on the other way around which i'm Other, presuming otherwise you're sort of reverse engineering a correlation i'm presuming the study started with that it said we're going to go look at whether well right dentist no. and dentist but then you can look at the no, whole they couldn't have gone out looking for that well i guess uh, I, this takes more digging than what i can do right now um <laughs> I, i'm curious how they came across that that data if they weren't looking for that data like that's a hard because they're probably looking at what just population, what just population names and, names and, jobs, and in jobs, maybe in general. And maybe there were other times when a person, I'm trying to think of other names that sound close to jobs. Because who's going to fund a study for finding out whether being called Dennis is, means you're more likely to be a dentist? Do you be surprised? How does any study get funded? It yeah. always, it, it feels like one of those. You should do that. You should try this and does, get funding for a study. Well, it sure, does feel like one of those sort of fake science studies that are commissioned by a PR company to help promote a thing. Right. You know, and they're like, a Dennis the Menace reboot? A Dennis toothbrush. Dennis exactly. Dennis toothbrush, yeah. Um, by the way, I was looking at this next story I was going to do, and then it was on the Washington Post, and one of the sidebars, the story's linked, is same-sex penguin couples keep adopting eggs, and the Berlin Zoo is celebrating. <laughs> oh. I know, just an extra little bonus so penguin cute. story. That's Skipper great. and Ping are their names. Look like a typical king penguin couple. <laughs> Standing, what does it say? Standing side by side at the Berlin Zoo with their flippers touching, they take turns carefully nestling an egg between their feet in the hope that it will eventually hatch the chick they have both long sought. Have you ever Except- narrated a wildlife dog? Because you're pretty good at that. Yeah. <laughs> Except these two ten-year-olds are both male and the latest in a long succession of same-sex penguins that have coupled up to adopt an egg. <laughs> I want more. Why I know, can't this be the sweet. show? You must have done, you've done some audio books and stuff in your time, right? No, I once did. Uh, I've done. I've VO. done games. You know, I play um, Shelob in um, Shadow of of War, which is the sequel to Shadow of Mordor. Okay, which is the Lord of the Rings games. You know, cool. Um, and I did. I also played um, Dante's mother in Dante's Inferno in the video game. Yeah. But I've and I've done a couple of commercials, but I've not really. No, I I'd quite like to do audiobooks actually. I like reading stories to kids or people. The by the way, the next paragraph here, it just the ending of this paragraph really makes me laugh. Although we're kind of in a sad way, it says mm. at zoos in London, Australia, and New York, male and female penguins have for years entered same-sex relationships to incubate eggs into chicks, delighting zookeepers and some visitors, while stirring anger and revulsion in others. <laughs> It's so... It's not natural! What a weird it's not natural! 
It's the definition of natural. Yeah, what? How does that just not being convince revolted by it? Na- but also, they have to be so they have to be smart enough to be able to distinguish genders of animals uh, yeah. on site, and then also close-minded enough to have that be something. I could- don't think it's stirring anger and revulsion. I don't <laughs> yeah. think anyone's knowing that whether there's male or female, are they? I don't. I just. I don't know. That feels a bit. <laughs> People really get super mad with penguins for. Um, this is quite I a funny story, Ola. Berlin anger and repulsion. I know so strong. Berlin has become the latest city to host a pair of quote gay penguins after Skipper and Pink showed an attraction to each other and a desire to become parents. Both unsuccessfully tried to hatch a stone for some oh. time. Then zookeepers allowed them to adopt an abandoned egg. Yusuf Rashid, <laughs> who's a 23-year-old originally from Syria, who is gay, uh, said they looked be- they looked beautiful together. I f- he came to Germany four years ago, according to the article, and found a haven. And said, "I feel the same way they feel." He doesn't know how they <laughs> feel. <laughs> is this a they... German um, tourist board-led uh, story? It's definitely there's some editorializing going, but I kind of like that. Germany has one of the world's highest acceptance rates for homosexuality. It legalized same-sex marriage and granted full adoption rights in 2017. But the German far right has been accused of stirring homophobia in recent years. I don't that, know. That's cute that they tried I, to do a stone, but I mean, that has is that a thing that other? I just I don't think I've heard of that before. I, I think, think I that have. would have been bred out or evolved out of you. The fact that you might confuse a stone for an egg seems like a pretty big waste of resources. I don't know. I mean, when you think about how like your dog plays with a toy and it really throws it around as if it's killing that creature, it knows it's not. It must know it's not. That yeah. It must know it's very so different from acting. actually having a so bird that he's going to eat. Basically. You know. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. So I, it makes sense for me that animals would do things in, yeah, kind of copying of what you know they of they course, desire. Skipper and Ping, but they got their baby now or their egg at least. This yeah. attached. So the story I was originally oh, yeah. going to read, which was sent in by, was this Chris Nelson? Uh, I, I think it was. it was the Ebola story. Ooh. Ebola is no longer incurable, scientists say. By the way, we have a listener who works with Ebola patients or did. Uh, hey, how's it going? Write in if we're wrong about stuff in this uh, article. But after discovery of two highly effective drugs, wow. two experimental Ebola treatments significantly increased survival rates for those infected with a disease often considered a death sentence. Scientists announced on Monday, providing fresh hope for containing an outbreak that has ravaged eastern Congo. The drugs tested in a nearly nine-month clinical trial have performed so well that health professionals will now administer them to every patient in Congo. Anthony S. Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, said it's the first example that a therapeutic intervention can have a dramatic effect on decreasing the mortality of the Ebola virus disease. And a Congolese doctor, Jean-Jacques Mayumbi Tamfum, who spent his career researching Ebola treatments and oversaw the trial on the ground, said he could not have imagined that such a day would come. From now on, we will no longer say Ebola is incurable. So what do they do? Because I know they treat people with Ebola. Do they just, rather than having a cure, do they, I guess, just stabilize them and try and stop them from dying until your body can naturally attack it? That must be what it was. Because I remember hearing about, you know, some, some folks getting Ebola in this country and, you know eyes being kept on them and all that as if they were going to get better so if it's not if it's been incurable i guess it is a case of just sort of keeping people stable until your body can fight it perhaps it's like it's like holding down the virus in the same way that like herpes drugs would work or Mm -hmm. right hiv 
drugs work you know right. if i'm getting that right that in both cases they you wouldn't call those cures but they aren't yeah. sentences or yeah yes it yeah. must it must be that have been that way with Ebola because I don't feel like every person that I've heard of getting in the States has had a death sentence. I'm trying to think when I got Ebola what I did. And I'm only going off of local stories. That's true. That's true. I just toughed it out when I got Ebola. Yeah, you uh, stopped being such a pussy about it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The outbreak, the world's second worst, has infected nearly 2,800 people and killed nearly 1,900. Wow, so that's a high rate. Yeah. Infected just shy of 2.8 thousand and killed nearly 2000 that's not that's pretty fatal rate yeah what um may i ask if you know uh what um in what country was this cure discovered like the congo was where they tested it so the new therapy an american drug company or is it i'm not sure the new therapies were tested here we go in a multi-drug randomized control trial trial tested on the front lines of the ebola outbreak since november researchers administered one of four drugs to the 681 participants when a monitoring group determined that two of these drugs were vastly outperforming the others based on data from 499 patients, scientists called off the study and said they would exclusively treat Ebola patients with the more effective drugs going forward. The two antibody-based treatments work by blocking a critical protein in the Ebola virus. Mm. Patients receive them once intravenously and ideally as soon as possible after infection. Well, one would think so. And they yeah. saved about 90% of patients with wow. low levels of infection, according to preliminary data. Across all levels of infection, patients who received, one of them had a mortality rate of 29%, while the other had a mortality rate of 34%. The average mortality rate has been around 50%. So there is a significant reduction in mortality. Yeah. The rates were far enough below those of the, of the other two treatments that the scientists decided to end the trial early. Now all Ebola patients will receive one of the two more effective drugs. That's great. And yeah, it's a discovery and a and a finding of this of a cure essentially, and they don't say who found who gets, it. Who, who gets the money for like, it? Who gets yeah, the uh, who's like, that who, asshole guy? Well, who, like, who found it? Like, yeah. is it you know? I don't know. Hang on, I don't know if it says it, it in this article. Let me see if it links to the original Doctors Without Borders, or was it you know? Or who funded Black, Black, it? So, well, it, it tells fine. you the name of the lead the lead study. So. So the na- national, so I guess Institute the lead the lead study diseases. comes from the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. So it sounds like it's a American government body rather than a or a British one or a French one or. Let me see. But like, who Congolese did it? Who one? got who got free drinks? Who did that it? Night? You guys. Like when they went out afterwards. It does say in there, by the way, that there is a large amount of skepticism of medical professionals in that area, That's which makes it harder for good. them to treat people. Here we go. So. He's got his own Wikipedia page. He is an American immunologist, Anthony S. Fauci, who's made significant contributions to HIV AIDS research and other immunodeficiencies. And he's the head, the head of the, of na- the here we go, the head of the National Institute. And that is an agency of the United States Department of Health and Human Services. USA, USA. And we did it again, you guys. We did it again. I'm sorry. I did it again. Sorry. Hey, hey, we're... <laughs> Polly and I pay American taxes. We both, we've contributed to this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was pretty much us, actually. And actually, we have I higher withholding taxes, so we're probably more I just, responsible. I just hope that those people... Do they tax you at a higher rate? ...get treated well, for, their, for we, their issues without having to lose their, you know, shirts, houses, uh, oh, I lives. Think, I'm assuming for these kinds of situations, it's not like the, the, the up charges for 
U.S. Well, this, you, you, who knows though? I don't know how this whole stuff thing, works. and you know, and, and but yeah, we do we do get charged more. It's been recently in the news, like anyway, you were talking about. Oh yeah, we. we I was saying we get we pay taxes. more taxes. Well, we, we we get more withholding taxes because we're foreigners. Although you're not a foreigner, you got an American passport as well. But yeah. um, but then also, I can't I can't set up a corporation and pay myself through it. Oh, okay. Which makes things much cheaper. Which I it's probably should have done a while ago, does. but uh, haven't. Because I, because that would mean I'd be an employee of my corporation, and I have to be an employee of the people that are named in my visa. No shit. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. So I, yeah, I was all the time I was writing on Jim Jeffries, I was earning less than some of the other writers because I was paying more in tax. And technically, you were working for what was the visa sponsor that would have, or just the... well, you have to be. It, it's a whole convoluted thing. But I'm basically an employee of my agent, but I can't oh. be an employee of myself. Okay. I get it. I get it. Anyway, well, now we've learned. You're about- listening to probably accountancy. <laughs> <laughs> we've learned about that. We've learned about the bowl cure, and I feel a sense of pride when I learn new things. Matt, yeah, do you as well? I do like learning new things, but if only there were a cheap and easy way to pick between thousands of new things we could learn. Yes, th- be able to talk confidently, intelligently about a subject, or be the only one at trivia night with the right answer. You know, if there was some kind of streaming service where we could just pay one fee and have access to. Hundreds, nay, thousands of courses taught I've, by top professionals in their field across the arts and sciences and humanities. And I've got great news. Gosh, for you, guys, man. this sounds great. Yeah, it really does. If only such a thing existed. You wait no more. What? It's here, it's called the Great Courses Plus, a streaming service that gives you the freedom to learn about virtually any topic, and not just the basics, but truly master it. You can learn from unique perspectives. You can learn unique perspectives from top engaging experts in their fields on topics like the universality of humor, the gut microbiome, brain plasticity, tai chi, even how to survive in the wilderness. I'm in. Sold. Yes. So. So can I just watch this on my TV? With the Great Courses Plus app, you have the flexibility to watch or listen from any device. What, any device? So I don't need to, if I'm driving, I don't need my TV with me. Can I make this ukulele play it? You probably could. (laughs) That is a device. (laughs) Technically a device. You've got me on that. There's a ukulele-based app. Uh, if you sign up for the Great Courses Plus, uh, you, th- could, you could learn. I bet there's a ukulele playing or I'm some kind of music. I'm 100% sure there is. I'm not going to look it up, but there are lots of music classes. I was looking up the mathematics oh. of music when I first got access to this, which is the dorkiest thing ever. What's, right now. what's the course we're doing right now, though, Addy? The Theory of Everything, the quest to explain all reality is one that we have been checking out that we recommend you also check out. Uh, this was also led by Don Lincoln, who did the um, uh, Understanding the Misconceptions of Science series. And uh, this go- deals with everything from the standard model of particle physics to the general theory of relativity. And, and really... Yeah, it goes into things like how electromagnetic and weak force are actually connected and so on. It, it, I like this. It gets really into the it's weeds when it in-depth. comes to fundamental forces and particles and how and the efforts to connect quantum theory to relativity. Yeah, there's whole episodes on dark matter and dark energy. Um, yeah. Einstein's gravity bending space-time. Um, this is a 24-part lecture series. Okay, and God, this sounds great. I wish there was just some way we could sort of offer some kind of free trial to our listeners. Oh, I'd like that. You are both in luck again. If you go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably, you'll get access to all the courses for what a month a month of free access. A whole month, month of learning? You can access any of the courses. 
there are hundreds, if not thousands of lectures for you to choose from. Um, I mean, there's no reason not to. It's a month of checking out a bunch of interesting things and learning something. And then you'll probably want to sign up after that. But, you know, what's the harm in checking out a month? Give it a go. I think I might have to head off and do that right now. I'm going to come back with skills at the ukulele and a Tai Chi mentality. (laughs) I don't know if we're going to have to edit out the ukulele thing. Let's assume there's a ukulele lesson in there. I'm going to assume there is. But that is the Great Courses Plus. That's the Great Courses Plus dot com Check slash out. probably all right let's do a, an environmental story Let, let's do a couple but let's go like nice and then shitty let's do that okay a nice story how about the fact that um the u.s has just generated more electricity from renewables than from coal for the first time ever it's good that we're really something fighting to, to bring back coal though just to kind of make them competitive yeah, yeah yeah that was really something in the election when people bought into that like trump was going to bring back coal jobs it's there is there is a, there is an issue there is a thing when that these communities are so reliant on one thing you do have to put in things in place just go like okay this is a dying industry we're shifting over to this but so we will bring in training hey are you an engineer who worked in the coal field we will sure. retrain you to work in renewables are you he's not gonna do that but yeah, coal? Sure. yeah but like that's the thing like you should do that that's the thing that that it should be, morally, be done yeah. rather than just like no we're gonna stretch this dying this thing that is A, dying anyway as an industry, and B, killing the planet. We're going to stretch it out for another few years. Because also, it, rather than jumping on the train and trying to get ahead of the curve yeah, and be a leader in this new field that... Yeah. So, it isn't even that new. I mean, right. No, it's, it's not. It's been held at bay by... <laughs> it's exactly... Yeah, yeah. So clean energy such as solar and wind provided 23% of U.S. electricity generation during... Uh, this was June of... During a recent, I'm sorry, no, a- April of this of this year, 23% of the U.S. electricity came from solar and wind, compared to 20% from coal. How much so. was generated by professors rubbing balloons on their head? <laughs> That's the, the rest of it. So, <laughs> 57 is my math right on that? Um, this and represents how many the first of them time. Are Dennis, none of them because these aren't de- the they're physicists. Physicists named people Phillip. called Dennis are only named. Oh are only- God. It was just a really bad joke because I know how exciting this topic is and we should probably stay on it. (laughs) It is not that exciting, but it is good. It is good, if not exciting, that we are using more renewables. April was a favorable favorable month for renewables with low energy demand and an uptick in wind generation. So coal may once again pull ahead of renewables again sometime this year, but the long-term trends appear to be set. So it was a bright and windy month. Yes. Yeah. The fate of coal has been sealed. The market has spoken, said Michael Weber. (laughs) So... Final sounding. Uh, he's an energy expert at the University of Texas. The trend is irreversible now. Wow, look at all these. This is, nothing can stop me. <laughs> as he's I right am now. irreversible. <laughs> I've grown beyond the point. The trend is irreversible now. The decline of coal French drama. is unstoppable despite Donald Trump's rhetoric. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, Trump has repeatedly promised to revive the fortunes of the coal industry to the delight of voters in mining regions. But also, that's also, I read an interview that where they. That, not all people in mining regions are happy about this. A lot of people are like, no, the writing's on the wall. Help yeah, us help you, us transfer us, to this yeah. new thing. Yeah, it's really a crazy thing. Um, and, and even though he said that, 50 coal-fired plants have shut since he was, uh, since he came into office. So It's all just distraction. Yeah. The falling cost of renewables and gas has caused coal to be dislodged as a favored energy source for utilities. So the market's working in that case also. What's... Uh, so yes, there's a positive for the environment. Um, do you have a negative for us, Matt? Yeah, Matt. <laughs> Tell no. us about the planet dying. But with this art, but also yeah, the other yeah. But this article is also talking about how people are starting to get pissed off about how 
coal has these huge subsidies still, government subsidies. Oh, really? Cons- but then that goes to these massive companies that own all the coal plants who then use that money to do things like fight compensation claims for black lung. Right. <laughs> so oh the, so even the coal miners in these communities like, no, this... We the, these companies are getting these subsidies that are then being spent on lawyers to stop us from being paid out. Fuck yeah. them. Jesus, it's like a double whammy. Yeah. But on the plus side, it's rain. It's snowing plastic in the Arctic. There's <laughs> another penguin no. story, maybe. Even in the Arctic, even in the Arctic, microscopic particles of plastic are falling out of the sky with snow. A new study has found. The scientists said they were shocked by the sheer number of particles they found. More than ten thousand of them per liter in the Arctic. Tick. Seems like a lot. Yeah. Seems like a lot. So it means even there, when you'd expect to be at clearer and purer air than anywhere, it seems people are likely to be breathing in microplastics from the air, although health implications remain unclear. The region is often seen as one of the lo- world's last pristine environments. A- I want this not in units of thousands of things per liter. I want right. it in how many credit cards am I inhaling every week? Right. That's the new standard for, from past articles. The uh, really think i mean the whole plastic thing is just it's such a disgusting thing that we're allowing to happen it's just insanity i mean it sort of seems cans and glass worked great they work yeah great i think it is that you know you discover this new cheap material that can be molded into any shape i say new again it's like 100 year old but yeah it's so easy and then you're like well we use this for everything now because it's a much simpler process we'll put it where we put all the rest of our stuff somewhere just out of sight which will be fine (laughs) forever as the old model for throwing things away they also found rubber particles and fibers in the snow apparently Mm. so we're kind of fucked on this one i think so what they did they used they collected snow samples from the svalbard islands using a dessert spoon and a flask love the people that write something like that yeah just go oh we'll keep that in so dessert spoon is our bigger they they editorialized a little in this article they actually said using a low-tech method a dessert spoon and a fly i don't know what the higher tech method we're like a vacuum cleaner yeah. or something yeah <laughs> is a shovel anything it's but a giant dessert spoon anyway? less than using your hands right yeah we used our mouth and spat it into the <laughs> Back in my day. He baby birded it, this <laughs> snow sampling. Then they took it back to the lab at Germany's Alfred Wegener Institute in Bremerhaven, and they discovered far more contaminating particles than they'd expected. Many were so small, it was hard to ascertain where they'd come from. The majority appeared to be composed of natural materials like plant cellulose and animal fur, but there were also particles of plastic, along with fragments of rubber tires, varnish, paint, and possibly synthetic fibers. Well, none of that seems very surprising, to be honest, also, though. But that it makes it to the Arctic? That's pretty crazy that it's airborne. Yeah. Look at the ocean. I mean, it's all... That's a good point. Yeah. It moved around, isn't it? So microplastics are des- defined as those particles below five millimeters in size. And they were surprised to find quite so many. And the fact they probably uh-huh. came from the air. They don't know whether it'll be harmful to human health or not, but they need to take much better care of the way we're treating our environment, says Dr. Bergenen. The scientists also analyzed snow from sites in Germany and Switzerland. Samples taken from some germ- areas of Germany showed higher concentrations than in the Arctic. Well, again, that's not that surprising. Yeah, it should be higher in you know, populated places, right? Yeah. The researchers think microplastics are being blown about by winds and then, through mechanisms which are not fully understood, transported long distances through the atmosphere. The particles are then washed out of the atmosphere through pre- precipitation, particularly snow. A study published in April by a British-French team showed that the particles were also falling from the sky into the French Pyrenees, which is another supposedly pristine area. 
and they found them in the atmospheric fallout of in China, Iran, and France. Yeah, it just doesn't work. This plastic, world, yeah, everything being coated and covered, and you know yeah. your vegetables coming in these bags of plastic. Like, what do you need a plastic bag for? What do you need a plastic bag to put dog poo in? If it doesn't biodegrade, well, you're uh, wait, taking wait. something off the street and just putting it in a bag that will never disappear. Yeah, although that one. Uh, that went, I don't well, know what, but buy it. You're right. You're right. Bags is, oh, you can well, buy those. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's like. Oh, I was going to say, if, you, if that hasn't happened yet, that, that should be a pretty yeah. great money maker for somebody. And, and it's still not too porous that like your no, hand, no, hand it's fine. is okay. it's totally fine. But just all the extra little bits of plastic, like you know, the the you used to put a tampon in if you needed a thing to put it in with, like an applicator. It's called. Uh-huh. It would be cardboard. Okay. And it would you just do that? And now it's plastic. It. And now it's plastic. So it's two bits of plastic one inside of each other about that long on every tampon and you think about the statistic of that how much we're filling up the oceans it's ridiculous what's what's the, the downside we just don't to question the... having extra plastic yeah. around you know is there any downside to cardboard having not well, used it, one it's it's you know in i suppose if you tested them like in a car crash you know the cardboard one would probably come off worse but when you're just Using it's, it for one yeah. movement. Yeah. Is it, is it really like people not, not liking the sort of paper it's, drinking straws? It's well, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't like the problem with the paper drinking straws. Of course, is that then they get squidgy in the middle if they're in one of those plastic top right. things, yeah. and then they stop working. But in this case, then there was never a problem with them. It's just that where something can become more expensive, and then the product can become more expensive, they will generally do it, and it'll look more high tech. Kind of yeah, and well, also especially, and I find this more in American culture than in British, though. I'm not saying we're better. We're running towards this culture. It seems to be modernity. But the the idea of, you know, anything not being pink and plastic or, you know, bright and smooth or whatever, just the cardboard, it's a lesser, you know. Yeah. And so it's almost like, especially in this country, I find like it. Yeah, sometimes it, it, as soon as the plastic's around, it's like, ew, you have the cardboard. You know what I mean? It's just like. It just needs to have some more, kind of PR thing that makes it more, seem. More more healthcare looking I suppose plastic is rather than cardboard uh, I, yeah I guess you could, For, you know. as if you're doing something that's like a sterile operation which you're right. not but just like the, yeah. the imagery you get from like oh cardboard is inherently dirtier or something yeah like it's more porous or something even which, though it's the smoothie stuff yeah. but this, even then you can get little tampons that you, I mean not little tampons they're different size but that don't have an applicator and that's still a, a commonly used thing but it's less and less so Okay. Yeah, I think I've seen because ads for. Is that what OB does? Yeah, is that exactly. Brand that's yeah, known for that. Yeah. Um, by the way, they don't know where everything in this the stuff they found came from. Like the varnish, they're not entirely sure, but it might have come from either ships grinding against the ice or wind turbines. And oh some God, of the fibers might have come from clothes, but they're not entirely sure. It's imp- it's impossible to tell at this moment. Hmm. Not a positive. Yeah, we should have done them in a different order, right? We, we should have done them. No, but I mean, this is a positive because <laughs> this is a reminder that, like, you know, when you just go and buy a plastic bottle of water, just it's just gross. Yeah, don't do it if you just don't have don't to. Do it. Well, just get, just get, you've get got a, a nice swell or a, you know, whatever this is. One We've of got so many bottles. of those ones. Uh, there was and about for about two years up. that was the swag that everything was giving away. Yes, so. that's true. I do wonder about that too. I have so many. It will disintegrate. This, exactly. This brand of water bottle or, <laughs> or, or variants similar yeah. ones to that. Yeah, yeah, that's one that someone gave me. I still got my ridiculousness small. one from like five years ago. Matt, did you get one of those? That's I don't know. I never got that one. I got the hoodie. Ah. 
But how about a thing that might not be made of plastic? I'm hoping it's not and is adorable and functional. Does this involve old people? Old people in Japan. This yeah. is a story Justin Broad sent in. Yeah. I like this one a lot. I like this one. I think this is a nice so, one to finish us off on. This Aww. is a robotic tail that's been built. Oh, yes, I heard about this. <laughs> keep, I was excited about this. To keep the aging population mobile. Now, what happens if you're going to fall forwards, though, and not backwards? Well, this, is, this helps for leaning forward. This will help counterweight you backwards. If you're going to mm-hmm. fall backwards, that's the problem. This is, a, this is a robot tail that could it be attached to old people. If you're going to fall backwards. But I don't think it's about that. It's about the counterweight. So yeah. he's leaning in a way he couldn't lean if he didn't have the tail. Sorry, Matt. Oh, no, that's exactly, yeah. So if you lean forward, it counterweights. But then if you lean backwards, maybe it acts like a little stand, that's like a kickstand. I thinking. That's what I mean. You could be like a kangaroo and like punch and kick with both, that's what I'm hoping. both four limbs. Yeah. I like that. Is I that, think that's a lovely thing. It's got to be bigger, I think. But um, yeah, so millions of years after the ancestors of humans evolved to lose their tails, a research team at Japan's Keio University have built a robotic one they say could help unsteady elderly people keep their balance dubbed ARC or RK. Uh, the gray one meter device mimics tails such as those of cheetahs and other animals used to keep their balance while, while running and climbing, according to the Kyo team. The tail keeps balance like a pendulum, said Junichi Nabishima, a graduate student and researcher at the university's Embodied Media Project, displaying the robotic tail attached to his waist with a harness. It looks pretty great, too. It's, uh, it does. It's, it's like, like white pro- segments with... Yeah, go on. <laughs> you can describe it also. No, you were doing great. But it really does look like a a sort of robotic version of a beautiful real tail skeleton. Right, like a dinosaur or snake. Which is pretty much just backbone, of course. Um, Yeah, it also says in this article, as well as helping the elderly get around, the team's also looking at industrial applications for it, like a balance aid for warehouse workers carrying heavy loads. Oh, that would be nice. That would be nice too. This is great. Yeah, uses- I love the idea of getting old and getting a tail. I mean, yeah. that's something to, to aspire to and to look forward to. And it's good for furries as well. Yeah, it is. I mean, they got it covered in some fur. It's a little bit severe right now for furry culture, but well, it's it's a, it's it's a, a robot a tail, my friend. Sure, yeah. I mean, they're going to cover it in fur, whatever happens. Sure, of course. But that's some technology. It's great. Uh, it uses four artificial muscles and compressed air to move in eight directions. Uh, for now, it's just in the lab as researchers look for more ways or ways to make it more flexible. You know what I love about that invention as well is that the person who went in that direction, I think, is a humanist. The yeah. person who came up with making it something so sort of organic and based on nature and um, something that a person can wear and feel that it's part of them rather than a machine that they're... Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like It feels like giving back control... That's and so for- I think that it's probably going to be well designed and it's going to like build the right muscles at the same time as well. And I'm just, I have great hope for I, this tail. I like everything about it, especially like, like you said, if it is something you're only allowed to get once you hit like 60 and then it becomes this like cool thing yeah. for the elderly. One more can- year and I get my tail. Yeah. Grandma but then people get a tail like- today. Let's go around for cake and <laughs> yeah. celebrate. But then it'll also become one of those things of like people resisting like, oh, no wonder tail. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I've been to Japan. Mom, there's, there's we've no... all got together. And we decided it's time. <laughs> it's time for your tail. <laughs> yeah. It's time for you your tail. Have you guys been to Tokyo? We're going to get I your have. tail. I, I, I have not. I don't know how this is supposed to work in a Tokyo subway. Like, there's no sense of personal space. In oh, Japan. yeah. Everyone is packed well, together. Well, that may be another added bonus to this awesome tail. People will respect People will space. say, psh, psh, the older <laughs> folks, <laughs> instead of people ignoring them and, you know, 
them not being able to get around because they're not fast enough and people rushing them, whatever, they'll just swish their little tail and say, oi, youngin, remember, <laughs> I've lived here a long time. People. I need a bit more space now. Just give it to me. I could work. I'm just, I'm also worried about the prospect of a bunch of elderly people with tails accidentally getting tangled up and forming like a Japanese rat king situation. I can't think of anything cooler than that. (laughs) So I say it's almost better than the age of the penguins. (laughs) The age of the Japanese rat kings. I look forward to that time. (laughs) To all Japanese old people are combined into one giant mess. One honest, untangleable. All facing out, just fighting any any oncomers. It's like, why are we fighting them? I don't know. Now that we're connected, we have we tails. Yeah. We are brilliant. It's how Japan works. Once things combine into a bigger thing, yeah. something has to fight. <laughs> Japanese elderly Voltron <laughs> rat kings. Yes, it's probably you know it started off in a comic book. Like it we're taking it there, like but it. it probably started off in a comic book, and then that's yeah. how the you know the this is how inspired. Doc Ock was created, right? Doctor Octopus from Spider Man. Oh yeah! Didn't he just give himself extra appendages? It turns you evil. Yeah. Oh shit! This is what they have as well. Well balanced evil. evil. This might be a problem. Um, (laughs) You should call them. Uh, You should let them know. I I found one other interesting story, but I think we should save that for a little uh, Patreon bonus. Ooh. What was this? This Should be a tease. What the story even is? I think it's a story about a common brain myth that has been debunked. I like common brain myth. A common gender-based brain myth. Like debunking things. Oh, well, I know what it might be. I'm not going to say it. We'll see it. Mm -hmm. So we'll do that. But in the meantime, Polly. Mm -hmm. Polly, Anna McIntosh, where can our listeners find you and your movie? Well, if they just Google watch Darlin, D-A-R-L-I-N apostrophe, um, Darlin with no G, apostrophe after the N, essentially, um, they can find it on lots of lots of places like Voodoo and Sling and Google Play and iTunes and Amazon Prime and all the all the VOD and digital platforms Excellent. you could wish for. And then they can catch up on all your Walking Dead episodes. Yeah, they can find them all on AMC. And um, Darling will also be coming out on DVD 3rd of September. Nice. And Blu-ray. And that'll be in Walmart and everywhere else. Um, and you can pre-order it on Amazon now. Oh, I'm doing so well at this. Nice. Um, and I'm on a show called Lodge 49. Which I was is, about to mention that. I love that show. We had Susie Kane on about a month oh, ago. yes, of course, because you guys know each other, because you know everyone. Like, she, I remember she told me that we, we had did, that and then And also Tom Patterson, who did the music for it, who's oh, cool. Susie's yes. other half. Yes. Oh, it's a great show. And Paul Giamatti's on this season. And oh, so many um, brilliant, talented actors. Um I'm excited for everyone to see it. So yeah, that's first that's, season was great. I'm very much looking forward yeah, to this first one. Season, yeah, show. which you can catch it's up. It's such a on weird. Like, of or honestly, have no idea how they pitched the show because I don't really know what genre it counts at. It's so hard. It's, it's like I say, it's like the big, the Big Lebowski crossed with a grown up Stranger Things. That's yeah, because yeah. sort of the mystery kids. creeps up and up as yeah, the series goes yeah, on. Absolutely, but it's very real and grounded as well, and very. Oh, it's just very it's warm. very atmospheric. It's very, yeah, it's the characters are great and and, and lovely and uh, and funny and um, and magical. It's a lovely so, series. Yeah. So yeah, check that out. Yeah. Yeah. And they can find you online. They can find me on Pollyanna McIntosh um, at Instagram and uh, Polly A McIntosh at Twitter and Pollyanna McIntosh at Facebook. You oh, can oh. find us uh, in at probably science at gmail.com if you want to email us with questions comments clarifications stories you'd like us to cover you can find us at probablyscience.com on the web at probablyscience on twitter facebook slash probablyscience you can find us individually on twitter at andy t wood and at matt kershen and write nice things about us on the internet keep donating that money that helps us really survive yep 
and keep it going. Thank you very much, all of our donors particularly, but thank you, our listeners in yes. general. And thank you, Pollyanna, for joining us. Thank you for having me. We'll see you next week. Bye.